Please open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, you are great and greatly to be praised, and we are thankful that you've invited us to share in the, the table you've set for us that points our attention to the finished work of Jesus Christ, that finished work that is enough to bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life, from enmity with you to peace and joy and communion with you forever. Thank you for these great graces that you have granted us. Help us now to be pliable as we consider your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Monday, we all observed Memorial Day, which is a time set aside by our country to remember the sacrifices of men and women who laid their lives down in defense of freedom, both here and abroad. And if over the last period of time you've had the privilege of going by any one of the uh, cemeteries, particularly like the Rhode Island uh, Veterans Memorial Cemetery or a similar uh, cemetery, you'd find these beautiful displays of well-cared lawn and uh, flags representing the sacrifices and the individuals who sacrificed. One of those was from, I believe, Virginia, another from Oregon. Uh, we had, uh, I was down in, in Exeter this last week on a couple of occasions and saw uh, the, the glorious display of those flags marking the graves of men and women who fought for this country, and uh, we're thankful. We as a country should not forget those who sacrifice on our behalf. And throughout the Bible, there are regular calls for remembering. Remembering. The redemption of God's people from the land of Egypt was to be remembered annually through the Passover celebration. Annually, the people of Israel were to remember the wilderness wanderings via the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. These were remembrances of the deliverance and kindness and care of God. Upon passing through the Red Sea, Moses commemorated with the people that um, glorious salvation of the Lord, memorializing it with a song. In Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. Later in that same chapter, they continued, Who is like You, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like You, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out Your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led, excuse me, you have led in Your steadfast love the people whom You have redeemed. You have guided them by Your strength to Your holy abode. 
And then as an echo of that, at the end of the passage, Miriam responds, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and His rider He has thrown into the sea. Immediately, they begin remembering the great deliverance of God. God brought them out of the land of Egypt and caused them to cross through the Red Sea a daunting task with the armies of Egypt following hard after to bring back their slaves. And yet God delivers them and the people immediately memorialize it with a song. When the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan River by God's miraculous intervention, they were instructed by God to memorialize this event by taking 12 stones, one representing each tribe of Israel, and placing it outside the banks of the river. Uh, The passage is Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what the passage says. That this may be a sign among you, this, this heap of stones, this monument may be a sign among you, When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Remember. Remember. Remember God's deliverance. Remember God's provision. Remember the miraculous works of God. Remember that He has brought you into the land flowing with milk and honey. Remember that God has brought you into that promised land. God in His incredible nature and His infallible way always brings forth what He promises. Remember. This is not just a remembrance for us. It also memorializes something to those who look from the outside. The memorial, uh, this memorial referred to in Joshua 4 was also a celebration that would indicate to the world about the favor, glory, and power of God. Listen to what it says in verses 21-24 through of the same chapter. And He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Listen. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when He dried up for us, which He dried up for us until we passed over. So that... All the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It's for the world about to see the glory, power, and favor of the Lord. And it's for us to remember His provision, His redemption, His faithfulness that we might fear before Him forever. And so we're called in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1 to remember. Listen to what he says. We dealt with this last week. We're only going to cover and, and, and use this as a way to prepare our hearts 
and understand more particularly the passage. He says, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember. Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator while you can. Remember your Creator early. Remember your Creator long. Remember your Creator hard. Remember your Creator fervently, joyously, early, long, forever. Remember your Creator. Why such an emphasis on remembrance in the passages previously mentioned in this? Well, first of all, and very easily to understand, we are prone to forget. We are prone to forget. Let's, let's take a look, please, at Jeremiah chapter 2. You're just taking a right. If you're using one of our church Bibles, you'll find it on page 627, where you're going to go from Ecclesiastes through Song of Solomon, Isaiah, and then Jeremiah chapter 2. We have a, an amazing passage of Scripture here, and we're just going to pick our way through it. We can't dive into any particular portion too much. But just an incredible portrait of God speaking to His people through Jeremiah, telling them what went wrong. Telling them what went wrong. These are His people. And so it served as a warning to them and a diagnosis. And it serves as a warning to us and potentially a diagnosis. Listen to what he says. In verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, and how you followed me in the wilderness and in a land not sown. Look down at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? Verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens. In other words, the heavens as witness looking upon what God's people have done. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Verse 17, have you not brought this upon yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way? Verse 19, your evil will chastise you, and your apostasy will reprove you. 
Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord of hosts. You you have ceased to really know me. You don't know who I really am. And thus you have forsaken me pursuing other things that you thought would be better. Verse 26. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel shall be shamed. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets who say to a tree, you are my father, and to a stone you gave birth to me. For they have turned their back to me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they say, Arise and save us. Verse 32. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. My people have forgotten me. So many days that there's not an appropriate number for it. What's the problem here? God is diagnosing the problems of Israel and he is warning the people of Israel. He is diagnosing the problem of our hearts and he is warning us of this regular problem. A lack of perpetual remembrance of God results in the disaster of turning away from Him and toward other things. He talks about them not remembering. He talks about them turning their back and not their face toward Him. They talk, he talks about them not fearing Him. He talks about them forsaking Him. And while maybe... It's less black and white for us. A little less night and day contrast. There are times in our lives, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you and I do this very same thing. Think about the times in the midst of your devotional life or in the midst of uh, a, a church service where the Word is being opened and you are being challenged, you, you think, yes, yes, I need to go to bed earlier. I need to get up earlier. I need to read my Bible more. I really should pray more. I really should go to church more consistently. But though you had all the right intentions in the world, you find yourself falling into the same patterns that you felt pretty sure were not the right patterns. Is this not the same type of problem? Where instead of turning our face to the Lord, we turn our face towards something else. And when we turn our face towards something else, guess where our back is? Something shiny something spectacular, something that draws my attention, some pleasure, some desire. 
We make a decision, but we lose focus, really. We forget about the Lord. Not totally, but just enough that He is not supreme in our lives. You're not alone. I, I know that you are identifying with the statements that I'm making. You are not alone. The person next to you, in front of you, and beside you, that stands before you, has the same experience. These are demonstrations that we are not walking in the fear of the Lord or the reverence of the Lord. Of our own devices, we find ourselves straying toward that which does not profit, that which does not sustain, that which is not from the Lord. Because we are prone to forget We need to have regular provocation in our lives to remember Him. You need it, and I need it. Remember Him. This is one of the reasons that a consistent, faithful commitment to a local church is so important. We are admonished in Hebrews chapter 10 to consider one another by stirring one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. We are instructed in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 to exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Have you ever met a day that wasn't called today? It might be called Sunday, but it's still today. Tomorrow will be Monday, and when we're there, guess what day it will be? It will be today. And then, and then, and then. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Why are we called to remember? Because we're prone to forget. We are prone to turn. We are prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. The God I love, I love Him. And yet, my affections sometimes are stirred in a different direction. And so Solomon, well aware of this and inspired by the Spirit, says, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of evil come. And your voice utters the words, about your days, I have no pleasure in them. There is pleasure to be found and pleasure forevermore at the feet of Jesus. Which was the grave difference, right, between Martha and Mary. Martha serving, serving, serving. Good! This is good to serve. She should have been serving. But she was troubled, cumbered down, weighed down, about service. When Mary was at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, Martha, you're all struggling about all these things. It's, he wasn't condemning her for the work itself. Mary has chosen the one necessary thing. You struggle sometimes. You do. Don't lie to yourself. You struggle. We're prone to forget.
forget. And so we're told, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Eleven times in the book of Genesis, the word remember is used. And 14 more in the book of Deuteronomy. In Genesis, a number of the uses of the word remember are actually statements about God remembering one of his people. It blows one's mind in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1 where God says he remembered Noah. Had he forgotten? In Genesis 19, God remembered Abraham by delivering Lot from Sodom. And in Genesis 30, God remembered Rachel by opening her womb. God is never in danger of forgetting about someone or something. He is omniscient. He knows all things, and therefore He cannot forget. In these passages in Genesis that we just referred to, it is a positive statement of God's care and provision and activity on behalf of one of His people. In the book of Deuteronomy, God admonishes His people to remember Him and His works in numerous contexts. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, He's charging them to keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. And in this charge, He says this, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath so that you might remember Him and His works. Take a look, please, at Deuteronomy chapter 7. Beginning in verse 17. Deuteronomy 7, 17. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I. How can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. The great trials that your eyes saw. The signs. The wonders. The mighty hand. And the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send hornets among them until those who are left and hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be in dread of them, for the Lord your God is in your midst. A great and awesome God. You see what he's doing here? There are enemies. There are enemies. They're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to gain what God had promised to them for years. And there were those that were going to oppose them as they came in. Now the people that were opposing them had their opportunity. The reason that they didn't receive the promise earlier, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, is that the iniquities of the Amorites were not yet full. They hadn't rebelled against God to the point that He was ready to issue His judgment on them. So at the same moment that God was fulfilling His promise to Israel, He was judging the people for their sin. It was not just God was going to give them a promise and annihilate a group of people 
indiscriminately just because he was being good to one group. He was judging one group because of their sin and fulfilling his promise to his people. He says, as you go in, do not fear them because you need to remember me. I, the Lord, your God, am in your midst. I am great and I am awesome. Remember your Creator. Chapter 8, please, in verse 1. Chapter 8 and verse 1. The whole congregation, uh, excuse me, the whole commandment that I com- uh, command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he's reminding them of his past. Remember me. Remember my ways. Remember what I've done. In chapter 15, we're not going to turn there, but in chapter 15 and verse 15, when he tells the people to forgive the debts of others, it's the the year of the sabbatical. Forgive the debts of others. He says, when you're doing that, I want you to remember your redemption. Everything you have comes from me. When you're forgiving your neighbor, you're really just giving back what I already gave you. Remember your redemption. And then when we get to the Psalms, we really get to understand that the remembrance that's being called for is not just a mental exercise. Take a look, please, at Psalm 20. You'll find that on page 457. 457 of one of our church Bibles. If you're just following along on your own, look to the middle of your Bible. It should be some, Psalm should be right in the middle there somewhere. Psalm 20. And I want us to notice in Psalm 20 and verse 7 that remembering is going to be equated, equaled with trust. In Deuteronomy, excuse me, in Psalm 20 and verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's the English Standard Version. In the New American Standard Version, it reads this way, Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord, our God. Now, in the Hebrew, it just says some in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember. In the the King James, or the authorized version, it reads this way, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The remembrance is the idea that I want us to get out of it, but the, the equation is some in horses, some in chariots. It's very easy to understand the word that's missing in that sentence is trust. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. Some trust in their armor, in their forces, and in their strength. But we will not trust in our strength or our armor or our forces. We will trust in the Lord or better, we will remember. That's the word. The word is remember. We will remember our God. Remembering God is about understanding who He is. Take a look at Psalm 63. Psalm 63, please. We read this as our part of our responsive reading this morning. Beginning in verse 5 is where we'll pick it up. 
David, inspired by the Spirit, writes, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This remembrance is an understanding of who God is and what He has done and His power, His might, His wisdom, and His majesty. It's not, oh yes, I remember that God is and listing facts. Those facts are important. But there's a heart there's a heart associated with those facts. God is a person. No, he's not having, he doesn't have a body like we have, but he is a person. He has essence, yes, the essence of deity, but he's a person. He demonstrates intellect, emotion, and will. It's different than our intellect, emotion, and will. It's a, the highest sense of intellectual intellectual. Uh, and emotional and, and, and will. God is, is perfect, and we are made in His image. And when we understand who He is, that is remembering Him. Take a look at Psalm 137. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Psalm 137. This is pretty incredible. Now the remembrance here is of the city of Jerusalem, the the hub of the promises, Zion. But listen to how he portrays this. And it will really, I think, give us an entryway into understanding really what we need to do in remembering our Creator. Verse 1. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows... There we hung our lyres. We hung our instruments of song on the trees. We sat at the gate. We hung up our instruments of rejoicing and song. Verse 3. For there our captors required of us songs. And our tormentors, gaiety, mirth. Entertain us. Oh, oh, please, sing us a song of Zion. Sing us those joyful songs you love so much. Verse 4, how, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Ah, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Here they are in lament. People are taunting them. Sing us one of those joyous songs about Zion. I don't want to sing about this. But I don't want to forget either. Oh Lord, if I forget about your place that you've promised to me. Oh, if I forget about my home, my real home, Lord, don't let me be able to play the lyre, and don't let me be able to sing those beautiful songs. If anything, takes the highest joy away from me. This, this 
is what he's talking about when he says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. If anything takes a higher seat of authority in the joy place of your heart, you and I are missing the boat. Remembering God means exalting Him to the highest place of joy. Friends, this does not come naturally. You know it comes naturally. Monday morning is coming. And you're going to get back in your routine. And that routine, many times will take your gaze away from the joy of the Lord. This is a battle every day. This is why God says, don't forget me. Because the next step after forgetting is forsaking. We forget and we forsake because we do not Fear before him. Our hearts long to be filled with pleasure. There's not a person in this room that that statement is not true about. Did you know that God made you that way? He made you with a heart longing for pleasure. We, we can gain pleasure through food and entertainment Sex, alcohol, drugs, money, all kinds of things. But these joys, these pleasures pale in comparison to the pure pleasure that comes in fellowship with God. Listen to how the Apostle John calls us to ongoing fellowship with God. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard. You know who that's, who's talking about? Jesus. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. And these things we write to you. Will you say the rest with me? That your joy may be... What? What? Full. Full joy. God is not trying to hold joy back. He wants you to have the real deal. The, 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 the essence of joy. The abundance of joy. The overflowing of joy. And it comes. It comes every time we walk with Him. It comes every time. You know it. You feel it. Maybe even in this moment, you can feel your heart welling with joy. Because you've surrendered your heart to Him. You've sung songs of glory to Him. You've submitted yourself to His Word in this hour. And you can feel the brimming of joy within you. You can feel it. You know it. And then Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, God calls us into a relationship that produces full, overflowing joy. This happens when we truly remember Him. Who is he? Who is your God? How has he revealed himself in the word 
and in the world and in his acts in your life. What has he done? What is he doing? What do you know he is going to do? You think about the things that God still has in store for you that, 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 that are the, the, the end of our salvation. The redemption of our soul. The glorification of our soul. Is there anything or anyone better? You know the answer to this. Nothing compares with our God, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the work of the Spirit in our lives. Why? Why do we put things in competition with Him? We must remember Him while there's time. You, you need to remember Him while there's time. Some of us are in the middle. Some of us are past the middle. Some of us are on the other side of the middle, down below, the younger ones. There's a day that's going to come and you're going to start looking backwards on your life. And you're going to wonder, Lord, why did I do that? Why did I think that way? Why did I squander these opportunities? How good you have been to me. You've given me life and joy and peace. You've given me all that I need. And you've told me, you warned me. And I squandered things away. I wasted time. But it doesn't have to be the case. Remember. You can't go back yesterday and remember. Last week, it's already gone. But today, June 2nd, 2019, you'll never get this day again. Remember your Creator while there's time. Before the evil of pain and anguish and dementia, Steal away the joys of living for God.